Well, it's everybody's favorite time of the year. Lent is starting on Wednesday. And in our first reading today, Leviticus just gets straight into it. Called to be holy. Just to be holy. And Jesus takes it a step further and he says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But somebody who's a Christian sees and hears that differently. I would say Christians are, what we heard in our gospel reading today, they're unusual. They're very unusual. So if somebody is living the call of the gospel, things are different. They do things like loving their enemies and praying for those who persecute them. And I think sometimes we just, we just have to ask ourselves, what does that look like? What does that sound like? To know I'm not alone in this. So we head into to Lent. I'm just going to tell you a story about an American soldier from World War II who was in, thrown into a prisoner of war camp. And he was treated pretty badly. But not as badly as the other guy. The other guy thrown into the prisoner of war camp was a Japanese man. Because he was actually trying to help the Americans. And the captors tortured the Japanese man every day. And even deprived him of food. But each day he would, he would be thrown into the same cell as the American. And each day the American, who was a Christian, would give him some of his food. And he even tried to heal the wounds of the Japanese man. But one day, they tortured the Japanese man so badly that when they threw him back into a cell, the American man knew that he probably wasn't going to live any longer. So he knelt next to the Japanese man and said to him, You know, you're probably going to die tonight. But you don't have to be afraid. If you just give your life to Jesus... You'll live forever. And do you know what the Japanese man said about the American? He said, if Jesus is anything like you, I cannot wait to meet him. Question. Husbands, can your wife say that about you? If Jesus is anything like you, I cannot wait to meet him. Or even your children, if Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. And wives, can your husbands say that about you? If Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. And kids, can your parents say that about you? Can your aunts and uncles say that about you? If Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. I can't think of a better compliment to receive, honestly. Somebody who's a Christian is unusual. They actually do something... That's opposite of the way of the world. The world says, fill yourself up. Fill yourself up with stuff, with your ego, so people can notice you. But Christians do things differently. We actually say, how can I die? How can I die to self and deflate my ego so Christ can live in me? And when you get to show the world Jesus, you're actually able to receive a sense of joy that is unlike anything you could ever receive of this world. But you also encounter people who become complacent in their faith, people who become lukewarm. And maybe that's some of us in our pews right now. We're just going through the motions. We're on autopilot. And that's why we need friends, people that can actually walk with us, people that have actually been crucified with Jesus, as St. Paul says, but also have experienced the resurrection. And we need friends. I think all these self-help books are absolute garbage. Help yourself. Do it on your own. 
That's not the way of a Christian. That's just too usual. And if you are doing that, how is that going for you? Someone who's a Christian says, I don't have it all figured out. I need friends. I need Jesus. I need a church to support me because I'm weak. I'm not strong. That's unusual to hear that in our world today. And the part of every day, especially as we head into Lent, that you and I are going to try to do is we're going to try to die more to self so Christ can live in us. That's what discipleship is. And we do that for the save, to save others, to bring them into the fold. So when we come here, we go out and we bring others in. We go out and we bring others in. And if we're not doing that, maybe this is a little bit of a wake-up call to start being Christian, to going out and being different. The question is, how do we take the gospel to the streets? How do we even take the gospel into our homes? Because maybe some of us don't have a prayer life in our homes. It's just kind of Sunday and Saturday. Because Jesus says something that I don't think a lot of us do. And a lot of people like to paint Jesus as this like Barney, just this fluffy cloud where he doesn't have to change. But Jesus says, go love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of my heavenly Father. And he says, for he makes the sun rise on the bad and the good and causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Because God is love, right? He just loves. So God loves sinners and saints. God loves people of all different walks of life. And the question is, are we going to actually do that this week? Are we going to take the gospel call or are we going to stay on autopilot? How do we love our enemies? How do we love those who per- persecute us? So maybe let's just get practical for a moment. So Jesus is going to live in me and you. That means we have to die. It's pretty clear. John 3.30 says, He must increase, I must decrease. And that means we have to die to self to put Jesus first. Even before my friends and my family. Even before my work and my finances. And maybe you're thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what I signed up for. Maybe you're thinking, if I actually do that, Jesus will overwhelm me. I got enough on my plate, Father. I don't need I don't need more. But a good God just would not do that. A good God wouldn't do that. And St. Paul affirms that in, in 1 Corinthians 10:13. He says, No trial will be too much for you that is not common for man. God is faithful, says St. Paul, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God always provides a way for us to carry our crosses. And maybe, just maybe, if you're not carrying a cross, especially the cross that God gave you, maybe you're not being a Christian. You know, every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., men 13 and older are always invited to join us at St. At John's, and we do a program called Fit Shepherds. We work out, we pray, and we work out. And this particular time, I did the teaching. I don't need every single workout or every single teaching. But we went through Mark 8, 34 through 37 to kind of prep our hearts for Lent. And this is what is said about Jesus and what it means to be a Christian. It says that Jesus called to him the multitude with his disciples, and he said to them, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. 
For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can man give in return for his life? And Jesus doubles down in verse 38. He says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed of when he comes in his glory with his holy angels. So maybe just ask yourself. Let's just, let's just look at our, our lives. Just ask yourself, do you pray at home? Do you pray and thank God and bless your food? Do you take time for the gift of it is and, and thank God and praise him? Especially even when family comes over, even when people are not Christian. Do you still bless your food? But also when you go out in public, do you pray or are you ashamed of, gosh, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable? That's kind of unusual in this day and age. People just don't do that. And maybe you're not ashamed of him. And maybe you're, you're looking for something to go deeper into your faith this Lent. You're looking for something practical. So here's something that would be, I would say would be unusual. Because Jesus says in our gospel, if you only love your brothers but you don't love anybody else, what's unusual about that? So maybe try this. First, go home today and make a list of all the people in your life that you know do not know Jesus. Make a list of all your family, your friends, your coworkers, your fellow students, your neighbors, and even members of our own parish, and maybe even people who have, you haven't seen here in 10, 15, 20 years. And then apply the gospel. Make a list of your enemies and pray for them too. You know those people that get under your skin, that drive you absolutely nuts? I don't have any, of course. <laughs> but maybe be like my, one of my favorite heroes, Abraham Lincoln. He would look at people he didn't like, and he would say, I don't like that man, so I ought to get to know him better. I don't like that man. I don't like that guy. I don't like that girl. I don't like that person. Abraham Lincoln would get over himself, die to self, and say, I have to get to know him better. And what do we do for people that are on those lists once we make them? We pray and we fast for them every single day. Because when you and I pray and fast, what we do is we become like a magnifying glass. And if you put a magnifying glass over the sun, it sets things on fire. And that's what our prayers do when we intercede for others. We set them on fire. And our prayers always make a difference. And for those of you who are prayer warriors, for those of you who have been praying for other people for a long time, I just want to encourage you, don't put the magnifying glass down. Because your prayers always make a difference. And when you and I take time to focus God's grace on a person, they get set on fire for Christ. And that's the power of prayer and fasting. And secondly, I always encourage you to know that followers of Jesus, they just love people. You need to love someone so much that you actually go out of your way to serve them. Even people you can't stand. You know those ones that drive you nuts? When you walk into a room, you're like, ah, crap, they're here. <laughs> and you say, Jesus, I don't deserve to be here either. Because I know what you did for me on the cross. And that's where the lives of the saints come in. I love the saints. St. Therese is one of my favorite saints. She was born in the late 1800s. And she's known as a little flower. And she entered the convent at the age of 13. That's unusual. 
And she had the charge of helping an older nun. And she didn't like the older nun. And the older nun, at the end of her life, came to St. Therese and just said, Why were you so kind to me all the time? You know, you and I cannot propose Jesus to people if we don't love them first. That's just weird. That's strange. I think sometimes we get in the habit of telling people, Jesus loves you, but we don't even love that person. There's even a song by Steve Camp, and maybe you've heard it, but he says, don't tell people that Jesus loves them until you already love them first. I think that's pretty fair. And Jesus' life witnesses that, and it calls us to die to self. And sometimes it's going to be really difficult because you have to tell someone a hard truth. To be nice to someone is to say is not to tell them the truth and avoid it all the time. Just avoid the elephant in the room. What the loving to be kind is actually to go to that person saying, I'm concerned about your salvation. I'm concerned about this sin you're struggling with. I'm concerned about this addiction. But if they know that you love them, it's so much easier to do. So much easier to do. And that's what Christ calls us to do, to die to self, to get over our pride, and to think about that person's salvation. And as we head into Lent, we've got a lot of opportunities coming to, to die to self so that Christ can grow in you and grow in me. And we always have to know that we can't do it alone. None of us can do this alone. And if we truly desire to answer the call to the power of Jesus, to really let his power take control and to live in his hands and not the hands of the evil one, we need fellowship. We need fellowship. We need friends that can support us. And most of the time what I'm finding is when people actually start coming to these things like we had Alpha this morning or the Bible studies that we're running or whatever program we're running, people look around and are like, we have so much in common. You're just as screwed up as I am. And that's good news. Because Jesus didn't come to save the perfect. He came to save those who were sick, those who were in need of a doctor. And we do a men's Bible study every Wednesday at 6 a.m. or 7 p.m. at St. John's. And the women will be starting one this, this Monday night. And of course, they'll have childcare because they're just better at that. And even what we're doing right now, the Mass, we say it's the most important thing, but I don't think a lot of people understand the Mass. So we're going to offer a series starting next week on the Mass, a five-part series on where does this all come from in the Bible? Where does this all come from? Why do we do what we do? And we know the why behind the what. We get set on fire. And maybe you're thinking, Father, I hear exactly what you're saying, but literally my plate is full. I just don't have room for more. Well, you can see to your right and to my left, there's an app called Hallow. And I've been using this app. Hallow means holy and did not... Did not sit, didn't we hear in Leviticus today that we're called to be holy? Did you know that like 10 minutes a day is less than 1% of the day? Can you give God less than 1%? I've been using this app for the past few weeks and just taking 5, 10, 15 minutes a day just to pray and to be led, to die to self and say, I don't have it all figured out. I need a teacher, even if it's a digital teacher. But I encourage you to take one of these home. They're in your pews. And grab one. Maybe you're thinking, ha, this is good. I don't have a smartphone, so I don't have to do it. But maybe, just maybe, you know somebody who does and who's hurting and who could use peace. And I guarantee you, if you give God 5, 10, or 15 minutes a day, this Lent, your life, your life will change. But the best way to start Lent, just, just to be real with you, the best way to start Lent is, is starting clean. Getting a clean slate. That means going to confession. To unburden that weight that's on your shoulders. 
that you're not meant to carry, that, that Jesus is meant to carry. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves by avoiding confession, how's that going for you? It's my favorite sacrament. And so many people avoid it, but I just encourage you just to come and to repent and start fresh. And then you'll become like a more clear and stronger magnifying glass to set others on fire with the gospel. And maybe by the end of Lent, you'll be like that American soldier where the Japanese man said to him, if Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. The church needs you. Church needs you to spread the gospel, to be unusual. The question is this Lent, will we fill ourselves with more pride or will we die to self and let Christ prove his love to us? Because I think if you want to receive a compliment, the best compliment you could receive, it has to be, if Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. Amen.